Welcome to my podcast series, Audio Journeys with Donna Fox Tours. I am a tour guide based in the historic Armagh city, beside Awan Maka, the ancient capital of Ulster. On these journeys over the airwaves, we will be in conversation with personalities from the visual and performing arts, broadcasters, tour guides, chefs, farmers and even astronomers. We will uncover the personal journeys and stories of our guests who hail from Armagh and further afield. Thank you for tuning in. Today I really enjoyed my chat with two people who are part of the wonderful team at Armagh Observatory and Planetarium. Michael Burton is the director and Heather Alexander is a senior education officer. Thankfully for me, I have met and got to know both during collaborations on tours and visits over recent years. This was a very varied conversation, including topics such as telescopes, space toilets, domes, including inflatable domes, their reopening after recent refurbishments, possibility of UNESCO World Heritage status, not to mention their podcasts and the exciting forthcoming exhibition, Brickosaurs, with a ambitious plans for the future. Make yourself comfortable, pour a nice cup of tea and listen in to hear more about this superb venue. Good morning Heather and Michael, great to be here. I always love visiting Norma Observatory and Planetarium. Morning. Yes well good morning Donna and welcome here. It's a lovely place and you've picked a great day to come. I, I have indeed and just as soon as I parked the car in your car park and got out of the car, just the smell of the trees, the smell of nature it just brings the stress levels down to zero. Yeah, that's what we aim for here, is <laughs> tranquility. You know? I'd love to say the sun's always shining, but unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> you know what it's like. You know, fingers crossed, <laughs> uh, it will be, and uh, we'll have a good weekend as well. So it's fantastic to be here in the Armagh Observatory, which without a doubt is a jewel in Armagh's crown. And Heather Michael, thank you so much for giving me a window in your busy diaries to have this chat with you today. So you are both part of the vibrant family of Armagh Observatory and Planetarium. Michael, you are the director and Heather, you are the senior education officer. How long have you been, been in your roles? Well, I've now been here for six years or nearly six years. Hard to believe. I left Australia uh, uh, 2016 to come to this place. And indeed, it is a very special place. There is nowhere else like Armagh and the Observatory and Planetarium in the whole wide world. I've oh, been, I've been fortunate great. to do astronomy everywhere, every continent, and, and uh, Amar is uh, dual in the crown, absolutely. That is great to know, Michael. That is brilliant. Um, oh. Heather, what about you? How long have you been here? I haven't travelled nearly as far as Michael. I've come all the way from good old Derry, Londonderry up north, but I've been here for just a little longer than Michael, seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to be honest, it feels, you know, Michael's made this place such a, a great environment to work in. It feels like he's always been here, you know. It's just, it's always reassuring to know that Michael is always there. Um, but uh, it's been it's been a whirlwind the past seven mm-hmm. years. It's been, it's been absolutely amazing. No day is, is ever the same here, which, you know, you want to be able to say that about your job. Yeah, and listen, you know, you have a great team here. I know I've collaborated with you in different events over the years. And I met you both during a walk-in tour. Michael, the first time I met you and your colleague Mark was a walk-in tour, familiarisation tour of Armagh with a group from here. And, and Heather, one of the first times I met you was the last time actually was in this the boardroom here where we're taking the podcast with that lovely group from Pennsylvania. Yes, you know, the American was, ladies. Yeah, oh, yeah. they were lovely. That, that was a, you know, that goes 
top of the list on one of the tours I've done with RMA having yourself take us around here it was amazing such a good day and they, they loved it they it really did it was class <laughs> so um, but Michael have you always had an interest in the solar system from an early age? well the short answer is yes in fact I can't actually remember when I started becoming interested in astronomy because I think I've always been interested but uh, look I grew up in the outback of Australia in my young years and I I, I, I mean and the skies are spectacular in Australia oh, I would imagine yes. so you, you know, don't get no to light see pollution no, exactly you don't get to see dark skies even even if it is dark here the southern hemisphere stars just transcend what you see in the north so I must have been inspired then but I do remember getting a book I must have been six or seven called Astronomy Made Simple and I avidly read that and I guess <laughs> it's stuck ever since so yes I've always been interested uh, in astronomy yeah, well, um, just, uh, you know, I think most children mm-hmm. do just are amazed at the solar system and the, the planets and the sky, and that, you know, speaks for itself in the number of school groups you have visiting here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was lucky enough to be in Australia 20-odd years ago, Michael, and just the, the skies there are just absolutely amazing. Indeed, yes. So you get the Milky Way, it goes overhead, and uh, the the southern Milky Way is truly spectacular, and yes, you can sort of see the dark clouds running along it, and it just lights it. it you feel like it's, it's actually not dark when you, you can wander out there and see by the light of the stars and on, a, on, a, on a truly dark night. <laughs> and, and what about you, Heather? Have you always had an interest in the solar system? Yeah, from I would say, you know, when you start learning about it in school here, you're around, you know, like eight, nine years old, and you know, it was always a thing that I liked. I liked knowing all the names of the planets, mm. and you know, like surprising people. You know, like, did you know that Jupiter has X amount of moons, which always changes? But um, I think my path sort of verged a little bit in that, you know, I maybe I went to a school that didn't really know how to handle someone who wanted to be an astronomer. Um, so I actually went down the route of history instead. And I found a love for, you know, the history of the observatory and the intricate history of astronomy in Ireland. Yeah, and through. you did so well. I mean, I've seen it firsthand, you did it so well. And, and you relate it to the visitors so well. Yeah. So having the, the love for, you know, space and all things astronomy... You know, really helps me in my role. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not an expert by any means. In fact, Michael was just giving me a wee training session this morning, um, and every day is a learning day. But yeah. uh, having that love and passion for space, it's you know, it's it's a nice thing to have. It's a nice hobby to have. You're always looking up. And do you know what is lovely about this location, this venue? You have, as well as the indoor exhibitions in the planetarium, you have this great astro park that. People, families can come and visit, and mm-hmm. you know the the young ones or, or older people as well can see the scale of the planets to each other, and it's it's just we're just so lucky, you know. And yeah. hopefully, most people living locally here realize how lucky we are. Well, in fact, I think that's one of the things we've noticed that following lockdown, more and more people are using our Astro Park. Maybe they discovered it over lockdown when they're looking for some, somewhere to go. But there's people walking around the grounds all the time now. And, uh, and and that's what we want. We we want to share the grounds. I mean, uh, we want, want we want this to be a public space that the people from Amar can enjoy in just a tranquil setting, as well as learning a bit of astronomy yeah, on the way the around. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, a cousin of mine, Jason O'Neill, mm-hmm. who's an Irish dancer, um, he did a video. He did here indeed. In the yes, Park. that was a very spectacular video. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> so Jason's fantastic. Is he's um, mm-hmm. back? It'd be back on the river dance trip now that the yes. that they're touring mm-hmm. again. So fantastic. But I just loved watching him dancing in the Astro Park and, and all over Armagh. Yeah. He did Belfast and Dublin as well. So it was I've, a great video. I've sent that video to friends all over the world. Yes, <laughs> it was a great, great effort for Armagh. That was too. So talented. <laughs> yeah, no, it was fantastic. Yes. It really was. Mm-hmm. 
So, Michael, it must be wonderful to be the director here in the oldest scientific institution in Northern Ireland and the longest continuously operating astronomical research institute in the UK and Ireland. It is, yes. uh, It is a a special honour to do that. And when you actually think of what has been done here and the sort of shoes that you're trying to fill, it is is a humbling experience too at times. It is amazing when you come here. I mean, we are an active research institution. Uh, I mean, the astronomers here are like uh, in any small university group. They're doing research on a whole range of topics. But they're still in the building where astronomy has always been done. And that's what's particularly special uh, any other observatory you go to, it's been modernised in one way or another. And some telescopes might be there, but they're actually just a museum piece. And in fact, that's, that's what's different about this place. It's, it's, it's a living museum. The telescopes that are there have always been there and pretty much in the same position they've always been. And in fact, the story of the development of astronomy itself can pretty much be seen in, in the telescopes and the buildings we have here. The, the classical feature of, a, of an observatory, the dome, which is what you characterise, it started here, actually started here in Dunsink. And the modern form of the dome, which is there to both protect the telescope and facilitate the observations, well, the t- one that's just above me here, that's actually the, the, that's where it started. That's where it started. And the telescopes themselves are the very forefront of the design of what's called the equatorial telescope, which is basically a telescope which can track the stars because it follows the the Earth's motion as it, around the equator. And you can see in the design of, of telescopes over a century here the progression of the development of astronomy. So we have this fantastic heritage about the science, and yet we're still doing the science in the same building today. No, this, this building, correct me if I'm wrong, dates from 1790, where yeah. we're sitting now. That's, That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the room, the boardroom, where we are just looking at, around at the former directors and the, the oil painting of the founder, Archbishop Robinson. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just really get a, a, a sense of the place and a sense of history. So, mm-hmm. such a privilege to be here. Um, and when people book a tour of the observatory, Michael, I imagine they're very keen to see the telescopes. And you have the oldest telescope in the world still in situ in its original dome. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what your own personal highlights are when leading a tour? Yes, well, that's the Troughton Telescope. And indeed, it is a remarkable telescope. It's not the way people imagine telescopes to be because it was actually the very first of its type. It was in a pioneer and yet it's still here today. So the Troughton indeed sits in our, our dome, the main dome you see, and that dome was essentially built around it. And the concept was to both isolate the telescope from the building, because this building is actually a home, and that was a revolutionary concept then. Before that time, telescopes were just put on roofs or, th- or floors. The building wasn't particularly special. But the other key concept was this idea of following the stars, what's called the equatorial one. So the telescope has to rotate as the Earth rotates. And essentially the first example of that is the telescope that we have here. Now, it turned out that this is, this is actually a very challenging technological uh, uh, thing to do. And the telescope itself turned out to actually, there's a number of things about it which weren't the way to build a telescope, but it was the start. Uh, and it showed what you could do. And then telescopes that came later actually refined the technique and ultimately led to the modern telescope. But we have that type of original one here today. It still works. We don't use it for astronomy anymore, but it's still, you can still look through it. You can still turn it. The dome still rotates. You have to yank it by hand. It's no motors or anything like that. But yes, it's here and it's essentially the oldest telescope in the world in its original setting in a dome. And I'm sure there's keen interest from private groups to, to book their tour here with 
yourself or with your colleagues? There, there is indeed, uh, but that, 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 that's, and that's one of the areas we want to expand into, but it's also one of the areas of our challenges because uh, you've been here and you see access to our telescopes is also a little bit confined. So how we manage uh, bringing, uh, bringing visitors in and yet we're in a working building and yet we want to show them these, these uh, facilities, that's actually one of the things that we're working on. Indeed, our, our vision for the future is to make that whole, whole uh, opportunity uh, much better and, 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 and essentially open it up so the public can indeed experience this because actually very few people have experienced our telescopes they have kind of been hidden away even yeah. the people of Amar yeah. have not known that much about I them. know I remember being here in European Heritage Day I can't remember how many years ago and that's probably maybe the first time that I saw them mm-hmm. um, and you know they, they are amazing so hopefully that will work for you and you'll, I, I'm sure you will have plenty of visitors and Heather we are in Ireland's leading centre for astronomy education, where research, education, history and heritage come together. This is such, as we've already spoken, this is such a unique organisation. But in your role as education officer, you must meet and work with people from far and wide. Oh, 100%. You know, I meet people from all over the place, all over the world. Um, but, you know, what I still love is getting uh, a local visitor, maybe yeah. someone who, you know, the observatory and planetarium has been on their doorstep for like 40 years or something. And they come into it's like, this is my first time know, here. I'm like, well, welcome, yeah. you know. That's, that's, that's brilliant. I, I can totally relate to that with just, you know, taking walking tours right yeah. now. I love having local people coming along and, and sharing information that, you know, well, for me anyway, on a walking tour, some, pointing something out that I didn't know about or yeah. which you can add in then to visitors at a later date. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, you get the joy of having you international visitors. In fact, we had um, just a group from Belgium there a couple of days ago, um, amateur astronomers, you know, from a public observatory in Belgium. So they knew a lot about the, like the astronomy of here, but they loved hearing about the history mm-hmm. and the unique story oh, of the here. stories. I mean, you, you tell the story so well, you know, just, oh, you, you. Have the, you have the, <laughs> It was a, a, that American, last American group that we worked with um, just totally captivated. They, you could see the smiles on their faces, you know, yeah. I was looking at them as you were talking to them and they were smiling all the time, you know, it was... Yeah. The stories are, are so important. They are, and uh, you know as well, you know, as you know, doing the education side, you know, with school groups and things like that, you know, it's trying to, you know, we're telling so many different stories. Like we're telling the story of the the birth of the universe, to the story of the creation of the solar system, and then also trying to get them maybe to start thinking about, you know, well, how how did this planetarium even come to be? How did this observatory come to be? It's it's difficult with, you know, five-year-olds yeah. to get that story <laughs> to through. Adopt. You want to, you know, keep that story for them very simple. But, you know, with older groups, particularly GCSE and A-level kids, you know, you can start telling that story of how we came to be, the story of how the astronomers came to be working in here. And then you get onto the conversation about how they can develop their own career in you know, the space industry and doing astronomy and things like that. So um, to say that I work from people age eight months to <laughs> 80 plus years it is quite accurate and, you know, it's it's always good fun to do. Oh, that's brilliant. And, and I know from visiting here over the years that you see so many excited children bouncing about the planetarium. So um, just I just know from the type of person you are, for you, <laughs> you know, it would be easy to maintain their attention when they come on school visits mm-hmm. but 
Are there any challenges? That there's always going to be challenges, but like as you say, I'm I'm a bit of a I don't want to call myself a clown, but you know I do like entertaining people. So when it comes to kids, you know I like to be a bit more animated, and your voice has to change and things like that. So telling the story, I'm, I am able to keep their attention. Um, if I find attention is ever going away, but astray, I go into my secret weapon, which is gross science. <laughs> If you always talk about gross um, science, it's what people remember. Oh, yeah, it's the yeah. same with history. Yeah. People remember the weird things, the gross Strength. things. It sticks in their head. It's the same with astronomy. Yeah. So Brilliant. as soon as you start talking about the space toilet, that's when you get their attention back. Um, and it, that, that is true for, say, like a, a class of P4s or even um, like a seniors group visiting on a day trip. If I see glazed looks in their eyes and like, right, it's space toilet time. <laughs> And they, and they like learning about yeah. that because it's interesting. Oh, you're perfect for the role, Helen. You really are. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Michael, I know I was chatting to you recently and you were telling me you've been attending a symposium in Ballyconnell with the inflatable star dome. Can, that sounds exciting. So <laughs> can you tell us more about this? Well, indeed. Um, we're, in some sense, this is uh, science returning to science opening again after after the pandemic. So there was a big international conference held, Ballyconnells in County Cavan, just over an hour's drive from here. And we were co-hosting uh, a, a what's called an International Astronomical Union Symposium. This is sort of the highest level of scientific meeting that the, the global body for astronomy uh, organises. And this is the first, well, one such one in Ireland for many, many years, actually. And, uh, and one of my colleagues, uh, Jorik Vink, was one of the co-hosts of it. And the subject was about massive stars, which are essentially the most uh, energetic and luminous stars in, in our galaxy, which drive the evolution of our galaxy. And a lot of astronomers are very excited by them. And they create things like black holes and things as well. But we also took the opportunity to, to do some public outreach. So we were in the Sleeve Russell Hotel, wonderful hotel, if yeah. you've been there. Yeah, we've been there once. And we have an inflatable dome as well, which can play the same, same shows as our, our main dome here in, in, in Armagh. And we took that there and we did a, a, one of the afternoons and we did a, a public event for the local schools and for the local people to come around. So we wanted to, do the, have, we wanted to link up the public outreach to the scientific research, which is actually what this organisation is about. I mean, we aren't just a research organisation, we aren't just a public outreach. It's the synergy between what the planetarium and the observatory can do, which really is what makes this place a special place. And, and sometimes we do it here and sometimes we want to go yeah. else out. And, but that's and great that. to have the... the facility to go mm-hmm. elsewhere and is it hard to transport the well it goes into a van yeah. <laughs> yeah. but uh, some of our staff are quite keen to drive the van so <laughs> yes sir. I mean driving a van is an exciting part of your day uh, but as someone who's had to carry yes. that dome it is quite heavy but you know the it is just so fabulous to go inside and you just feel like you're transported to a different world when you're inside this inflatable dome it's, it's really good so it did work very well Mm-hmm. At the at the conference, yeah, and what a fabulous setting as well. So, uh, Heather, we're we're on hopefully the other side of the pandemic, and it affected tourism and hospitality severely. But I know here you kept busy. So, can you divulge with us what projects you undertook, and what about the reopening? How did that go for you? Well, yeah, we um, we did not laze around during the pandemic just to say we utilised the pandemic and the lockdowns to the fullest um, we decided to uh, with our education team in particular um, when we find we were working at home we're like right how, how are we going to keep engaging with our public how are we going to get new audiences in so we came up with the science at home program where we created videos for experiments for people to do at home um, and that 
all of that has actually turned into a publication for us. So a book called, you know, the it's the Science at Home Experiment book, which we sent to every school every in the school north, school in north and, and south. south. So just picking up on that, Heather. Yeah. So um, when the, the the lockdowns happened, we were actually already closed, and we were in the process of upgrading our our digital theatre. We were going from the Digistar five to the Digistar six, and then on to Digistar seven. So Michael played an integral part in, in getting that done. So it actually means that we're now. The, one of the, mo- the most advanced uh, planetarium we have they just are seven over everyone else well yeah we're know. certainly the leading in, in these islands yeah. that's for sure <laughs> um, so you know, we were already taking the opportunity to upgrade ourselves so when the the lockdowns happened we took a good look at everything else so we created a change in places facility because it had come from a comment from a visitor saying she would love to come but her you know her kids needed a certain facility to be able to use the bathroom so we created that facility for her and you know everyone else that needs to use it i think we're actually one of the only change in places facilities in this region um, which is great uh, we also then looked at our exhibition area and we decided you know what it's time for an upgrade so michael and i became part of a team to help upgrade that so we ripped everything out Everything was looking a bit bare for a while. Mm-hmm. And then we sat and we had lots of brainstorming sessions. We came up with the new content. We decided we wanted to utilise not just the science, but the history and heritage of everything as well. So the result of that has been an exhibition area that has you know, increased people's dwell time, increased their you know engagement and excitement in the area. Like there's a thing we have called the Stellar Playground that uh, really engages kids adults everybody where you can make your own uh, solar systems and black holes and things like that um but uh when it came to reopening then you know in june the end of june we were like oh we have we haven't been open for a while we're a wee bit nervous here um so we we had to for the for the legal reasons work on a restricted capacity um, so we had to figure out how many people we could fit in the dome, how many metres apart, you know, how many seats does that mean? So that was complicated, but we got around it. We worked at 30% capacity. And in July and August of 2021, we actually had over 13,000 visitors through our door running on 30% capacity. Oh, which amazing. That was, I think we did some uh, looking yeah. at the figures and that, that was, was even more than yeah, we expected. It, it was pretty much the same as we had the year before lockdown when we yeah. had a vast event around the Apollo moon landing where we had over 7,000 to the doors one weekend and yet over the two months we got pretty much the same number of people. So yeah, really it was shown we had mm-hmm. transformed it. And you know, I'm particularly proud of what we did as a team for the exhibition. We now have a, a lively, dynamic exhibition for all ages, from indeed, indeed from preschool to, <laughs> mm-hmm. to, uh, to, uh, to seniors. To <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it, it tells the story of astronomy, the stars, the planets, the galaxies, but it also tells the story of Amar, and that's one thing which we hadn't put in there before. You can actually learn about the history of the Amar Observatory and, and the role, so we're bringing all these elements together. And yeah, as we've seen, our, our, our challenge now is getting people out of the exhibition <laughs> before the next show comes in. And actually, our car park is, uh, is, is, is too full much of the time. Yeah. An interesting challenge to have, but that's what's... Yeah. Uh, no, it is. I mean, I've been riding the exhibition and, mm-hmm. you know, for the opening and, and since that. And it's just such a wonderful place to visit where we really are so lucky. So no doubt you're looking forward to a busy season ahead. Yes, we are. Um, this summer is going to be jam-packed full of things. Um, we are having Brickosaurus here. So Brickosaurus, oh. it's a brick-built dinosaur exhibit. We've sold over 4,000 tickets already. It's live from the 11th of June to the 31st of July. So we are 
I'm really excited about that because yeah, I saw I saw it on your social media yeah. and your website. It just it looks amazing. It looks great. And then we're also you know trying to plan you know more Astro Park tours, so guided tours there, and also you know trying to get the observatory opened at the weekends for um, observatory tours and seeing the telescopes as well. So all of that information will be available on our website uh, in due course. There aren't enough hours in the day or days in the week or months in the year. Don't I'm telling you. Michael, the International Astronomical Union's Commission for World Heritage has undertaken a study tour of the three historic Irish observatories at Armagh, at Burr in County Offaly and Dunsink in Dublin in order to consider their potential for nomination for UNESCO World Heritage status. So you've been involved in this. So sounds very exciting. Um, so can you share any more information with us regarding this? Well, indeed, this has become what could be a very big project for us over the coming years. But I've already talked about what a special place Armagh is. But in fact, there's a wider story here. And it's a story of astronomy in Ireland through the 19th century. And in fact, it wasn't just Armagh. There was Dunsink in, in Dublin and Burr in County Offaly. And together, these three observatories interacted together and actually led the development of world astronomy, literally world astronomy, uh, uh, through the designs of the telescopes. Um, Infants at Burr had the largest telescope in the world for over 70 years. They worked with the director here, Romney Robinson, in, in, in the scientific program, which uncovered what was called the, the realm of the nebulae, which turned out to be the discovery of other galaxies. Amazing story about the history of development of astronomy. And the, the IAU, the International Astronomical Union's Commission for World Heritage, came I, to, to essentially have a study tour to sort of assess how good they how good they think this is and look the short answer is we're getting we got confirmation that 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 that, that, that outside experts do truly think this is a special place so we we've resolved now to try and seek our unesco world heritage listing for the three observatories together they 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 they, they they work off each other. They, they integrate together. They tell they, they tell a, they tell a, a, a common theme about the development of the subject of astronomy, and you can see that uh, in the, the telescopes which are still left at the observatories. So basically, at the moment, we, we've just started the process of writing an application. It'll be a, it's a journey. It'll probably be a decade long journey uh, before we get there. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, but we are resolved take this forward and this is an important part of the story we want to tell in terms of we have future development plans here too but having um the the observatory's history as a centerpiece of that uh is a key part of of of, of taking our future development plans forward as well well that sounds like a brilliant collaboration Mm -hmm. and good luck with that looking forward to hearing how it's progressing Mm -hmm. um heather the library here contains such an impressive collection of astronomical literature in ireland down through the ages right up to contemporary textbooks on astrophysics and space science. It must be fascinating to be surrounded by so much material, especially with your love of history. So what is your favourite book in the library? Well, it's amazing to you know be surrounded by all these books. I mean, we all know that when you go into a library, what you have to do is take a big sniff, a big smell, and you smell the old books. And to try and choose a favourite is really difficult. So I'm going to actually mention two. I'm going to mention my favourite, and then I'm going to land Michael in it and okay. talk about his favourite. But my favourite would be, um, it's actually a large, large, large book called um, The Atlas of Pho- Photographic de la Lune. Any idea what it's about? The moon. It is about the moon. Um, it was the Paris Observatory had uh, published this 
this big book and it's beautiful photographs of the moon taken in the late 19th century and in this book um, you see the images blowing up and then there's lovely uh, tissue paper overlaid over these where they have etched on the the craters the mountains and they've named the areas and you can see when the photograph was taken and at what time it's it's beautiful and we do show that to the public because it's just such a well I can show it to you after it's sadly that this is just purely audio and I can't just hold it yeah I know I'll have to get a photograph of it definitely um and then Michael's favorite book and it's it's really amazing that we have this is um we have a copy of the Principia by Isaac Newton now we have a facsimile that you can leaf through but the actual one is kept understandably under lock and key yeah I can understand that and that is arguably the most important book uh, in science uh, in all humankind in, in it uh, Isaac Newton and it's here in our mouth. we have it uh, it's, <coughs> it's not the only copy I have to admit we're not there I mean we, there are other copies around but we have a copy and yeah. we have a copy um, but it is a book where Newton lays out the foundations for understanding gravity and uh, and essentially that's how we understand how the solar system works. But to understand gravity, he actually in, invented a formalism that's called the calculus, and that's the basis of mathematics today. And in fact, all, all of mathematics uses this formalism. So essentially it's a central book for the development of, of science, because mathematics is a language of science, and, and, and Newton lays us all out. It's, 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 it's incredible. And what you, kind of what you learn when you're doing, doing calculus or, 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 or physics at school, a lot of it basically goes... Straight back to, to, to that to, to that very document. So that's well, a very important book. That's that's great to know, and I'm looking forward to seeing the both of them after this uh, chat today. So, Michael, uh, last towards the end of last year, you attended the climate change conference COP26 in Glasgow. Um, so you presented a show called Our Place in the Cosmos. So what did that entail, and how was it received? Indeed, so COP26, that's the big UN climate change convention, and the opportunity came to make presentations for showing what's called the green zone, which is the public zone uh, of COP26. And a planetarium is a way, a means of being able to tell stories, stories of science, and I saw the opportunity to try and tell the story about what a special place the Earth is and how we have to look after the Earth. And I could tell that from a cosmic perspective, from our place in, in the galaxy, of our sun and the galaxy, and of our Earth and the solar system. And then about what we <clears throat> are doing to planet Earth, because we can see planet Earth from space, you can see what we're doing, to the, the, the way the temperature's changing, and put all this together into, to a, into a show. And so we basically wrote that here in-house and, and, and produced it. We also had a fantastic collaboration with our neighbours, the Southern Regional College. Yes, this, um, just, on your and so they they produced. Well, we after we made the show, they produced the audio. Basically, every single scene has it has a has a purpose built uh, purpose written score to it, uh, and we put these together. And then we took these to Glasgow, and uh, look, it was uh, every show was uh, let's just say sold out, and uh, and uh, we went to we had we had great acclaim to this. Well, and, isn't that great yes, collaboration uh, to have with you know. Yeah campus is just right beside yes. less than five minutes walk from here mm-hmm. yes so. indeed and, and look we see we see great opportunities for, for going forward here in, in, in continuing that collaboration but also it's also part of the reason for why we have a planetarium we can tell stories of science important stories that people need to know about uh, and communicate science in a way that you can't just do with a sort of classroom situation yeah. in a planetarium yeah. you can experience it you really feel like you're there oh it's no an amazing it is, thing. It is. Uh, I recommend everybody to visit it as soon as they can if they can get a ticket that is because they know you're 
We're very busy. Very you, need, busy. you need to book. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely book in advance. And Heather, I know we talked about what you did over the pandemic. Another one of your avenues that kept you busy was your new podcast, Intergalactical Crack. I, mean, I love that title. And it is a real sensation for people who want to find out more about space in a fun way. So you and your colleague, Courtney, I mean, you're just a great duo act. And I've listened to, to many of the episodes and I love the way you present it. So I think just by listening in, you're really enjoying that. Am I right? Oh, I the podcast is like, it's my baby. I love doing the podcast so much. Um, I remember when Courtney started working with us, I had sort of had the little inkling of an idea for a podcast. And I said to her on the side one day, I was like, do you think Intergalactic Crack would be a good name for a podcast? And she was like, yeah, that sounds really good. I was like, would you like to do it with me? She's like, yes, definitely. Then the pandemic happened that gave us the opportunity. So we use the podcast as a way to reach audiences that maybe can't come to us you know, for whatever yeah. reason. They're maybe not in the country or they can't get to us. Um, so we've actually expanded our listenership. Now, I, I, I want to think that everybody everywhere listens to us. Maybe we need more people listening to us. So please, this is your um, duty now to go and follow us and sub- like well, I put links subscribe. Up. Yeah, put links up definitely. Everyone should go and listen well. to it. But it allows us to talk about um, aspects of science that are maybe a bit more complex than what we would talk about on a day-to-day basis uh, in the planetarium. So, for example, uh, one of my favourite podcast episodes was where Courtney talked about a thing called strange matter absolutely terrifying really scary and i now know that uh, whatever is inside a neutron star could potentially destroy us all one day but we don't know about it yet because we've never seen it <laughs> but it's that type of stuff that we talk about we have also interviewed michael who was able to give us an idea about the scale, the size of the universe and, and he gave a really good comparison to how you could fit the universe into our ma um so definitely i love it can't wait to keep doing more and come up with more weird and wonderful subjects to, to talk about well, good luck with that, and I look forward to listening to them as well. Um, so, uh, as well as the the um, all the events that we spoke about already, you had you've had out- outdoor events at night time, such as space lights at the end of twenty twenty, which I just loved. That I just I felt like a, a tourist in my own city. Mm-hmm. It was it was spectacular, and then the fire and light celebration during the recent Dharma Fusion Festival. These were amazing, and you have so much outdoor space that we've spoken about, um, including the Astro Park and the Hill of Infinity. So, have you any other plans to develop the area, Michael? Well, indeed, that's actually the that's actually in many ways the big big challenge and big question facing us at the moment is how we go forward. I mean, as you saw, we do have this uh, potential for outdoor space for public realm, and uh, over the lockdown, um, uh, that that event. Um, uh, sorry, I forgot his name. <laughs> space lights, space lights, space lights. <laughs> space, space lights um, was actually about the only event we could hold over yeah, lockdown. Yes. Mm-hmm. But look, we have I, I, we, we have this amazing observatory, but there's challenges of access. We have this fantastic planetarium, but it's also the oldest planetarium. And in fact, the lifetime of that dome is, is is limited. And the next generation of technology coming in, the dome won't be able to support it. So, mm-hmm. where do we go forward in the future? So. We're basically coming up with plans about essentially a redevelopment of our lower, lower precinct around the planetarium 
to essentially put a state-of-the-art planetarium facility and science and education facility around, around there. At the same time, being able to open up the upper part of our site, which is around the observatory, so, so the heritage can be um, portrayed, so that people can actually access this place, while at the same time keeping the integrity for science in here. And then, of course, we are surrounded by the Astro Park. So how do we use that Astro Park? How we make that both a public realm uh, for people to come and enjoy and experience, but also get more out of it in terms of activities around the Astro Park, the Hill of Infinity, which tells the story of the scale of the universe. Use that. And indeed, the bottom of the Astro Park around what we call the, um, the Hypercube, that could be a performance space. Yeah, it's a natural amphitheater, and a natural amphitheater mm-hmm. there. So can we rework that, keep the concept in there, but actually use it for public events? So Indeed, we do have big plans and also how it ties in, of course, with the rest of the city of Armagh. There are plans for a leisure village alongside us. We want to integrate this. We want this to be a master master area. We have plans for a big public realm to right at the, the right of the entrance, for instance. It'll be an entranceway to Armagh. So these are ambitious plans, but they are coming forward. We have preliminary designs at the moment. A long way to go yet, but we have concepts uh, on paper, which we we're hoping to take forward. So watch this space everyone. Big things happening in Armagh and I'm really looking forward to visiting when everything is achieved and I know it'll be an ongoing project um, to add to an already fantastic venue. So Michael and Heather, thank you so much for your time today. I'm really excited about the Brickosaurus exhibition that's coming along and it would be is it geared towards children, Heather, or can well suit any age group? Um, if you have a love of dinosaurs, you're gonna love this exhibit. So, um, for example, my husband loves dinosaurs. He is over the age of thirty. He'll be coming to see it, and he will love it. So, don't be afraid. It's not just for kids. It is for everybody. Okay, I better get my place booked very soon before they all sell out. So, it's been lovely to sit in this boardroom this morning with you. And I know from chatting with your visitors regularly that everyone is of the same opinion. Armagh Observatory and Planetarium is such a welcoming place to visit. And I am looking forward to future collaborations with you. And we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. Yes, thank you, Donna. Delighted to have you here. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. It was such a treat to spend time with Heather and Michael in the boardroom of the observatory, which is only 232 years old. And stepping outside of the building into beautifully landscaped gardens in a tranquil setting, a treat for all the senses. Don't delay to book your place on some of the tours, shows and events coming up. You won't be disappointed.